Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. My name is Dr. Mary Lou Ryder and I'm hosting Ageless Ambition, the podcast for anyone who believes that age is just a number and that it's never too late to chase your dreams and achieve your goals. Today, women continue to face numerous challenges in leadership roles, particularly regarding ageism. Our topic today is Summiting Dreams, Conquering Mount Kilimanjaro. And our guest, our leading lady, is Dr. Linda Kimball. She's a former school superintendent, she's been school, school superintendent for 16 years. She's now retired, and she's a full-time classification and compensation specialist working with school districts and municipalities nationwide. She also works with doctoral students from the University of Massachusetts Global, assisting them with their dissertations. After several setbacks, Dr. Kimball became a marathon runner, a triathlete, and a hiker, and enjoys leading groups of hikers on frequent wilderness treks throughout Southern California. Hi, Linda. How are you? How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you. Glad to be joining you today. Wow, that's quite an impressive resume. Let's just jump right in, Linda. I mean, I was just so in awe that um, you were out there climbing mountains, um, especially after some of your health challenges. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to take on the challenge of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? Sure, sure, sure. Well, of course. Um, actually, my dad was an avid hiker um, back many years ago, and he used to take us when we were just really small children up to the wilderness. And we'd, uh, you know, the three dads uh, that were friends would take all the kids so moms could get a break for the week. And so we'd spend a week up in the Sierras. And, and that was great. And I did nothing with that for about 30 years. And, you know, when somebody tells you, tells me at least, that I can't do something, I get pretty emphatic that I ought to. So at, at, at age 40, I started developing really severe spinal issues, um, degenerative disc disease. And so um, at one point, a doctor handed me a cane and said I would use it the rest of my life. And I said to myself, well, oh, that doesn't sound fun. So uh, I had a, my first major spine surgery um, of three. I've had three. Um, the first one, uh, and I said, well, you know, they don't, won't let me run anymore because, you know, when you have this, you probably shouldn't be running, um, which I did later. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, but I went on to uh, hike. I started hiking little by little. And that's, uh, that's where it started. And it just kind of, you know, as people told me I couldn't do things, I just kept trying to do them what really happened. Wow. And so um, you're in your late 50s, did you say, or 40s? Yes, I'm 58. 58, okay. And so um, talk to me a little bit. You just had some, I know we've been talking about, you had some hip transplants just recently, like in the past year? (laughs) 
Yeah, so there's more to the story. So as I said, when people tell me I can't do it, things, I have to do them. So um, I ended up um, needing uh, some major surgery in the last year. Actually, it's been uh, – I had four major surgeries in between 22 and 23, uh, 2022 and 2023. So I, I was told I needed to have a spinal fusion in my neck and then a hip replacement and two knee replacements. And that came after – in between all of this um, – Quite a bit of running. I did. I ran. Started at age 50 and ran till age 57, and then had to have three joints replaced. <laughs> so maybe not the smartest thing I've ever done, but it was super fun. Right. I know that my doctor told me to stop running. I, I was such a runner. I loved it, but uh, sometimes it turns inward on you. Um, okay. So you've you're recovered from your transplants, um, kind of like the bionic woman, actually. And what I know about you, you just were so positive about your whole experience. So, um, and you substituted uh, climbing and um, hiking for um, for running. Running. So, what what mm-hmm. motivated you to choose um, Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro, as your climbing destination? You know, Kilimanjaro is just um, a, an incredibly high mountain, and I had, um, you know, as I hit challenges, I started to say, well, let me see, you know, what what in rather than focusing on what you can't do, you know, I've had surgeons say, you know, like look, you've got a lot of medical stuff, but don't focus on that. Why don't we focus on what you can do? So I started focusing on what I could do, and I realized, you know, I can climb. I can't backpack. I can't really carry a lot of weight, but I can climb kind of like a Clydesdale. You know, I can just keep going and going and going and going. And so uh, I was decent at it, and I decided, you know, I've done all the 14,000-foot peaks uh, that I can climb in the United States without a rope, I'm sorry, in California. I did the California 14,000-foot peaks. I did the highest peak in the United States, uh, contiguous in the United States, um, which is Mount Whitney. And um, if you want to get higher, you got to go somewhere else. So uh, I had climbed in, on the Inca Trail. It's pretty similar in height. But Africa, Africa's got a mountain, and that's Kilimanjaro, and that's 5,000 feet higher. So that's like climbing Mount Whitney and then adding Mount Baldy plus a little on top of it. Um, and that's, that's Kilimanjaro, and it's tough. And so I decided I would make that my goal. Wow, I mean, I'm just so impressed. I can't even believe I'm talking to you, somebody that would do this. So um, you, you picked um, Africa, and obviously I did some research, and it's in Tanzania. Um, and it has, I've, I've read that it has such a rich cultural and environmental tapestry. How did the local culture and the environment contribute to that experience of climbing the mountain? You know, Kilimanjaro is a tough mountain. Um, it's, you know, people say, my uncle likes to say, it's on the boundary of human capacity. In other words, you know, you're just barely physically able to do it without needing some oxygen, some outside help for your little human frame, right? So um, so the the African people that do this work for a living, they, you know, they're going up hundreds of times to, to this mountain. They know it's it's very, very difficult, and, and their sex, success rates really matter. Um, they matter to them, and, they, you know, they don't, they don't want people to be unsuccessful. And so they've created this environment on the mountain that contributes incredibly to your success because they work on your mind, and that's really probably the theme of this, of this podcast, I'll tell you, is, you know, your brain is a powerful thing, and if you think you can do something, you probably can. And if you think you can't, you probably can't. And so they really specialize in, your, um, in keeping you happy and positive and everybody on the mountain, whether they speak English or not, very often they only speak Swahili, 
but um, they really work on encouraging you. So they start by teaching you the song, the Kilimanjaro song, and they'll, you know, they'll pass you and they'll say, you know, they'll say Dumble, and then and you'll you'll respond Dumble, Dumble, Blanda, and then it becomes a call and response. This this Guahili song, and by the end of your track, you know, you have it memorized. But if you start singing that song to almost anybody, including the ones with water on their heads walking uphill 4,000, you know, feet, they will sing it back. And um, it's incredibly uh, important to to keeping a, a sense of levity because you have to realize as you're hiking, people are being taken down past you in um, kind of like they're, they're supposed to be ambulances, like, but they're really wheelbarrows. I mean, really, that's how people leave the mountain. You leave it by helicopter or in a wheelbarrow. And either way, it's not good when that happens. So they got to keep you light and lively because they want you to be one of the ones that makes it, right? So anyway, the culture is incredibly um, important. The singing is important. And those positive people who have so little, but they're just so happy and positive. Did, did you do that preparation like a couple of days before you went up the mountain or, or like in a course or something? No, no. I mean, an average person, a typical person would need to dedicate, you know, four to six months. Uh, And if you're in decent shape already, if you're not, you need longer than that. But if you're in decent shape, four to six months ahead of time, you'd start start hiking and you might, you know, hike eight miles and then go to 8,000 feet elevation. And then you might hike nine the next week and maybe 10 the next week. And you might work your way up to working, you know, doing a an 18 mile hike um, in a day to maybe 12, 13, 14,000 feet elevation. We, at the end, we're doing two hikes a week. Um, so you dedicate the entire day to okay. hiking at elevation, but and you're never going to duplicate Kilimanjaro. It's too high. You can't okay. duplicate it. So how long did it take you to, to from start to finish? It's eight days. Um, the trek that I did is eight oh. days. It's um, seven days up. And then you hike down uh, 10,000 feet a day for two days, almost 10,000 feet a day. So it's like a huge descent really fast. But they have to act on that. you pitch a tent? They pick you up. Uh, Well, they pitch the tent for me. (laughs) It's really nice. Oh, they do. Friendly friendly porters pitch your tent, too. Yeah. And how many many miles would you walk a day, hike a day? You know, it was interesting because when I was looking in the United States at the statistics, I thought, ah, you know, four to eight miles, that's nothing compared to what we've been doing. But when you take your body and you take it to elevation and start climbing four miles, it's an entirely different thing because your body starts working, oh. kind of telling you to stop. <laughs> so okay. not very far. It was about 40 miles total. Um, but the elevation is astoundingly difficult. Okay, so um, when you're climbing up this mountain, and obviously you've got this positive personality. I mean, it, you just ooze with, like, I can do anything. Did you have any uh, any setbacks, or did you, like, just conquer this thing, make it happen? Well, so, you know, you're in a happy place. You know, you're going through rainforest, and you're seeing monkeys, and you're, you know, with these nice people, and it's fun, it's fun, it's fun for the first six days. And then you get to summit night. And you get up at 11 p.m., and you're already at 15,500 feet. And uh, so you already are not feeling very good. Typically, you're, you're nauseous. Pretty much everybody, there was one person that was able to really kind of talk, um, converse, be chatty. The rest of us couldn't even talk. So you start there, and you start hiking 11 p.m. uphill, and it's about everything froze. 
so it was distinctly below freezing all of our water. Um, we hiked until 6 a.m., um, and that's when the sun rose, and that's when kind of things turned around. But three times during that summit night, I uh, I had a little panic moment where I just had trouble breathing. I had a little asthma, and I just couldn't couldn't breathe. I couldn't get my breath. And um, you know, they, they they my encouraging African friends just said, just take a minute and then keep going. And that was it. Just they say pole pole, which means slowly, slowly. And um, the other two times I was nauseous. We were all really, really nauseous. Um, and that's just how it goes. And they tell you, go ahead, throw up, and keep going. <laughs> so wow. we made it. And about 18,000 feet, I said, okay, I feel like maybe I'm going to make it. But until then, I wasn't entirely sure. How important to you was it that you made it? Was it just an experience, or were you, it was just going to be like a big, huge milestone oh. in your life? It would have been very yeah. devastating not to make it because I knew I ought to be able to. I'm always good with elevation compared to lots of people. and There's no shame in getting elevation sickness. I just don't happen to get it. So I knew if I could wrap my brain around this, probably was going to be okay. And so I knew just like, yeah, I had to strap on kind of my courage and my perseverance. And it was cold and miserable, frankly. Um, <laughs> had to keep going. Uh, lots of people crying, um, several leaving by helicopter. And uh, so the summit was tough. The rest of the hike was fantastically fun. Okay. So now my, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to just put this in my mind. You get to the top of the mountain. The, what do you do when you get up there? And how long did you stay there? And then what? <laughs> <laughs> well, like any mountain, you know, you get to the top and, you know, you're only halfway there at the top. <laughs> so it's not like a race where you're done at the, you know. Anyway, so we take pictures, and uh, but, you know, there are, t- there are glaciers at the top of this mountain. It's very, very cold. Um, every, like I said, everything was frozen. It looked like a tundra. And so it's not like you want to hang out and, you know, barbecue. So we we took a, we took our pictures oh. and we skidaddled on out of there and so you, then you descend and descend and descend and descend for for a couple of days. Oh my word! I just can't even imagine it. Um, they call you, you. You wrote me this earlier. They call Count, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro every man's Everest. Do you agree that every man or person can climb this mountain? You know, um, I think first of all, um, it takes some real mental um, strength to be able to be in a place of discomfort for an extended period of time. Um, and and anyone climbing it is going to be in that place of discomfort. So to begin with, not everybody's going to want to climb it, right? Um, also, there are people who just don't have, um, their bodies just don't do well at elevation. It's like they said, at the edge of human capacity. So some people don't have the lungs. Um, some people just get way too elevation sick. They're going to faint or they'll, they'll be too nauseous, they'll be dizzy. Um, so, you know, on this particular trail, they say 90% made it, make it, and, and that happened in our case, 90% made, made it, and one, one left by helicopter couldn't breathe um, well. And so I would say, no, it's not every man's Everest. It's maybe every very athletic, well-trained hiker's Everest. I would right, say that. right. Okay, we're going to take a quick uh, moment and recognize one of our sponsors. We'll be right back. Um, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. 
The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. Now back to our show. Okay, Linda. So you climbed this this huge mountain, the highest mountain in um, Africa. And tell me now, what did you take away from it, both personally and professionally? I know you 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 work for the university. I've met, I've known you for about oh about a about a couple of months, and you just seem to be such a positive can-do uh, woman. Um, and so coming into um, you know, your late 50s and moving into your 60s, what lessons did you take away from this experience? Well, I think, um, you know, if we all think about our own health, we can find something that isn't working exactly like maybe it did, you know, back in the day. And I think this is a pretty good excuse. And, you know, let's say your knees don't work. That's a, you know, people will buy that and say, okay, you know, <laughs> we're going to let her pass on this. And that would be an option that I could have taken. Um, but, you know, as my surgeon said, don't, don't let this define you. And I think uh, that's really important to living your best life. Don't let your whatever you can, can't do, you know, control what, you know, what your future is. So, um, you know, I always find myself thinking, well, if I can't do that, let me, let me try this. Um, so my first back surgery, I wrote a couple books. Um, because I knew I wasn't able to work for a while. So just the idea is thinking, rethinking your, your future uh, is okay, and um, finding the next exciting thing to do is, is worth, worth time and stretching a little bit and maybe trying something brand new. Um, but also I think most importantly I found the importance of my mind. Even when I knew my brain was telling me, uh, was playing tricks on me. I knew, you know, I, I thought I could do it, and I thought, but but I had this stuffed out, this little voice in my head saying, I don't know about this, not sure you can do it. And then the other part of my brain would say, yes, you can, yes, you can. And so really having to um, put one foot in front of the other and soldier through and remember, like, you know, there's, there's the only other way out of here is a helicopter. So <laughs> let's, let's not do oh. that. And, um harnessing, you know, my will. And I think there's something about elevation that makes you want to just sit down and, and just, just sit, you know, and do nothing. And um, making yourself keep going sometimes uh, is hard. So I think mind being a powerful thing and not defining yourself by um, what you can't do are the two critical components of uh, just rethinking your next reality, whatever it is. You know, um, I, I, uh, I'm 74 and, um, I don't brag about it anymore. I used to brag about it. And I would never think about uh, taking on something like this physically because I'm not very physical. Um, but you're a real inspiration um, to me just knowing that you could do something like this, especially um, after having some surgeries. Um, what kind of advice can you give? Uh, I know a lot of women that that maybe listen to this podcast are in their 60s and 70s and they're retired and, you know, it's, it's hard to find things to do and things to challenge um, themselves. Um, what kind of advice can you give us? You know, I, I mean, you're just, a role model um, for me right now, but I need some more advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just getting up every day and doing what you can do. Um, and, you know, I was just looking at my own statistics yesterday and, 
you know, March of this year, my I was looking at my gait being irregular, and it was said, you know, in March it was irregular like 76% of the time, and now it's irregular 1% of the time. So the point is, like, you know, I've gotten better, right? And it's just a matter of um, getting up every day and trying. And you don't have to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Take a walk. You know, I um, – I almost never have a day go by that I don't try to do something physical, and um, it's just good for my my mental state to be, you know, to be calm and to be in a place of um, centeredness to to get up and just try and uh, try something new. You know, I, I I keep thinking about things to do next, <laughs> and I think, well, let's not do anything we die doing, right? Like, <laughs> like there are mountains I don't want to do, um, but but getting up and let's try swimming this time. Let's try um, bowling next. Let's, you know, whatever it is, get up and try. Do you have a goal for something you're going to do next? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to uh, go to Patagonia, Chile, uh, because we want to see the penguins and the glaciers. So the W circuit uh, in Patagonia is a year from um, now. And so that trip is planned. And I also realized that Everest Space Camp is lower than Mount Kilimanjaro. So while I do not want to climb Mount Everest, uh, because people die doing that. I might want to go to base camp. So that's maybe the following year if I'm still trucking along. Base camp. Now that's in, uh, where's that? That's in, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, sorry, the Himalayas. Okay. It's in Mount okay. Everest. Yeah. So you might, you might do that. Um, yeah. So is there anything in your – you know, I'm a former school superintendent. Is there anything in your uh, former school superintendent role that parallels climbing this mountain that you can think of? <laughs> oh, so much. <laughs> Board meetings. <laughs> I mean, Board I think meetings, maybe yeah. that's, <laughs> you know, I think uh, there are many, many times you learn to strap on your courage um, because this is not going to be an easy ride, right? You can you can think of the times in your own head that oh boy, this we're going in. <laughs> this isn't going to be easy. All right, all right. And you keep take your positive attitude with you, and um, you know, do your best. Pull it, pull it. Take it slowly. Um, but yes, absolutely. This was you know, being a school district superintendent was great training for Kilimanjaro, <laughs> and vice versa. I think, they were... <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Having done it myself, um, yeah. do you have anybody? Try to talk you out of this. I mean, your your sisters or friends just say, "What are you crazy? Why are you doing anybody at all?" You know, it's funny because over the course of time, so at fifty, I started running on my fiftieth birthday, and um, okay. from that time forward, I started joining running clubs. And my running friends became that we, we a lot of us have become walking friends now, of course, because we're all aging. But um, they've become really my my buds, and so uh, we walk together. We meet at 4.30 almost every morning um, <laughs> because they're, one of them is a school teacher and she has to get to work. So we meet together at 4.30 almost every morning, and they uh, absolutely do things with me. So we're all a bunch of crazies. Um, they are my triathlon friends. They, uh, they've done marathons with me. They hike with me. And so it's kind of like, you know, surrounding yourself with people who don't think you're crazy, I guess. has <laughs> been my okay. strategy. Um, my mom thinks I'm crazy, but she's supportive nonetheless. So you get up every morning at 5.30, and, and how far do you walk? So, um, yeah, so we I get up about just before 4 in the morning, and I meet at 4.30. Um, so four, four, four or five days a week we walk at least five miles, and um, the weekends it's probably more like eight. 
uh, and then we'll do some a little bit of gym, like weight training, a couple days after we lock. So yeah, this is a bit of exercise. Day. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to do two hours a day um, just to keep my agility and strength and kind of keep my weight down. And uh, it also keeps me mentally centered and um, not impatient with the, with a sedentary job. Right, right. Um, so um, well, I've read so much research about women and uh, as they age. And so I think one of the worst things we can do and uh is to watch too much TV, step away from the computer. We, we're, we're glued to the computer, and I don't think we do enough um, physical activity. And so, so some people aren't so lucky to have running buddies and walking buddies. Um, any advice for just a woman listening to this podcast that doesn't have that kind of group, something she can well, do? Sure. Sure. Well, so my, my son-in-law is a doctor, and he says, you know, if you want to die, stop moving. So he works with he says he works with geriatric patients and he says the key to dying quickly is to stop moving. So the opposite right. of that is if you want to live a long time, keep moving, right? So um, so we just yeah so I mean just just getting up and doing something. So I do a couple hours a day, but one of the hours might be that I work in my garden. That I count that very often as an hour of exercise. Um, you know, you can clean closets. You can you can do just about anything. But also everywhere right. you are is there is there is a running club. And there and that running club has walkers. So I just am right now I'm in Saint Louis and I um I called the local shoe store and I said, Hey, do you have a do you have a club? And they said, Of course we do. They meet on Saturdays at eight o'clock and I said, Great, I'll be there. So also find them. They're they're there. Find your local shoe store that has running shoes and they will know where that where those walkers meet. And those ma- walkers will become oh, your best wh- friends. What a great piece of advice. So you just walked into a town that you're visiting and you want to know where the Walker's Club is, and they'll tell you where they are, right? Yeah, the athletic shoe stores always, you know, tend to sponsor these these clubs. So, you know, they they told me the whole calendar when I could show up and who would be there and, you know, that they would they would join me. And I also looked on Facebook oh, how and nice. thought, okay, is there anybody here? No. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know it's that existed. Uh, um so one of the things that's happening to uh, myself and the, and the women that I hang around with is we are experiencing all kinds of things uh, like loss. Like, you know, I was a runner and now my feet hurt. Um, and so mm-hmm. I don't run anymore. And even when I walk, it's uh, extensive time. It's tough. Um, one of the tips that I just, I heard somebody talking about the other day, because I have a lot of time on my hands um, to be, to try to be physical is I got rid of my house cleaners like what you said, mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm, I'm saving money by not having house cleaners, but I'm also being very physical um, yeah, and keeping okay. up with the house. So that, like you said, clean your closet. So that's a piece of advice, too, that you can do that. Um, and I don't think we, we think enough about that. I did some, some research, Linda, and it says that the average 60-year-old-plus 60 60 woman um, watches seven hours of TV a day. And um, oh. that's just way too much sitting. Um, I know women that yeah. just turn that TV on in the morning and, and right straight through the night. So um, you are an inspiration to us, Linda. I mean, you're an inspiration to me. I don't think I'm ever going to try to climb a mountain. <laughs> but I know just listening to you and how positive you are and the things that you've accomplished in your life, I think that your journey uh, obviously has been very inspiring to all of us. Um, 
Well, thank you. Just real quickly, we've got a couple minutes left. What message of encouragement would you like to share with listeners who may have their own summiting dreams or aspirations? Oh, well, I would say for very quickly, if you ever, uh, you know, have any joint that needs replacing, look, you know, just get it done and get back out there. It's just you're going to be okay, it's going to hurt, and then you'll be all right. But but the real message of, this, of my podcast, I would say, is that the, the community that surrounds us is critical to our success. And so creating that community um, that's going to cheer you on, be encouraging every step of the way, um, is critical. And if you can't, if you don't have it now, go find it. You know, it's out there. And reach out to me, and I'll help you find it. Um, so Marilee's going to tell you how to contact me. But, you know, guarantee there is a group of people that will help you get active if you aren't. And it's fun in the in the interim, so you'll enjoy it, and you'll and you'll be much healthier for it. Oh, what a, what a nice uh, message for all of our listeners today! One more final question. I'm just going to keep going here as we wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Perhaps a memorable moment or key takeaway from your Mount Kilimanjaro journey? Oh gosh, I have a friend who just um, was with me every step of the way, and I watched her. And you know what? She did not complain. She put her head down. She put her will to the, to, you know, she put her will in gear, and she just stepped and stepped and kept going. And that's really how you get hard things done. You know, you put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes it's because you've had a loss. Sometimes because you have a difficult job. Sometimes it's because you need courage. But just, like, step by step, you know, you can get there if you, if you put your mind to it. And she was that example. Well, thank you so much, Linda. Um, Well, that's our show for today. I'd like to say thank you to Linda Kimball for being our leading lady today, and a special thank you to all of our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are are an international show. Uh, We'll be back again for another Woman Lead Radio Show on Monday at 9 a.m. and at Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.